Hello, and thank you once again for joining us for another episode of the Play Sheep podcast. Unfortunately, this week I had a few mic issues, so it may sound for most of the episode like I'm coming from a deep, dark hole, but thankfully that has been fixed and we'll be good to go for next week. Uh, so without further ado, my name's Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Joe. Hello. So, Joe, where do you want to start? Cut day. I know you're super excited about it. You were talking about it in last week's episode. But before we get on to cut day, it's probably worth just chatting very briefly about a few maybe slightly less football related activities. Uh, we saw Aaron Donald dual wielding helmets this week. Akimbo helmets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Akimbo helmets. <laughs> like, how many kills in Call of Duty do you have to get to get Akimbo helmets? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, uh, it just it just shines a bright light on the hypocrisy of everyone, really, because you know everyone talks about this player did this wrong, this player did that wrong. Everyone, as you mentioned previously, was on the back of Thaddeus Moss last week because he did a legal tackle. But I don't see as many people on the back of Aaron Donald swinging helmets. You could kill someone. You frankly good. You hit him around the head with a helmet. I mean, it's not going to end well. Um, but he seems to be getting away with it. It seems to be being dealt with internally. You know, it's not like we're snitches here. It's not like we're going to a teacher saying, oh, you should have you should have got him in trouble. But I mean, consistency, people, consistency. Yeah, I think it's just that. I mean, we talked about the severity of punishment last week when we were talking about Watson and we briefly um, mentioned Ridley and his year-long ban for betting on his own team. You know, we're talking here about someone absolutely smashing helmets over people's unprotected heads, or at least... How many did uh, Miles Garrett get when he, like, earthworm gymmed Mason Rudolph? Oh, yeah. That was fairly solid period. Was it six? I, th- I thought it was six weeks. I thought it was... Six? Yeah, I thought it was near enough half a season. Probably should have done this research before the show, but I'm going to say six. It, it was four to six weeks suspension that he got for... Earthworm Jimming, Mason Rudolph. So double punishment for two helmets. Is that the going rate? But <laughs> but of course, of course, because Aaron Donald is such a high profile player in the National Football League right now on a Super Bowl size, having just signed a mega contract, he won't get banned. No, definitely not. Uh, but let's move away from that kind of chat then. And I know you're desperate to talk about Cup Day and what that means for some players. We spoke about it to some degree last week when we talked about Jimmy G, we said that the 49ers have potentially a very expensive quarterback warming their bench next season. The expectation from here was that they probably look for a trade partner and if they couldn't find it, then they look to cut him. It looks like they're keeping him. They have restructured his deal. It's a one-year deal. There's no franchise tag options. Um, so he's he's absolutely a free agent at the end of this, but they've kept him on for another year at an expensive rate, really, when you consider the cap. Uh, yeah, so the cut that never was uh, on our cut day podcast. It's strange. It's strange. I can understand the decision-making process that's gone into this. Let's just refresh ourselves on this one. Had he stayed on the team uh, without a restructured deal, he would have contributed uh, a cap hit of something in a region of something like 24 million, I believe. Uh, his contract would have rolled over as 24 million hit for the San Francisco 49ers, which is, you know, it's it's mid-tier QB1 money. 
So had they cut him, it would have been 1.2 million in dead money, uh, which is far more palatable than that 20 million plus hit. Uh, but obviously, if you cut him, you don't get anything for him. So they've kind of done nothing and everything in between. They've signed him on an extension. His cap hit for the year will basically be 9 million. Now, it might not sound a lot in the world of professional sports, but if you want to look down the San Francisco 49ers uh, roster right now, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, he will be a backup quarterback because he's not going to be starter again this year. He's the sixth highest paid player on the 49ers. Now, if you're a Super Bowl chasing team, a division win chasing team, you can't afford to have nine million just sat on a bench as a backup quarterback. You know, that's good safety money, that's good cornerback money, that's a solid guard, that's filling holes that you've got in your team. It's a hell of a lot of money to be paying for it. When you think, like, you know, the Vikings last week traded for Nick Mullins, uh, traded a seventh round pick for him, and I think they're paying him far, far, far less than $9 million. Uh, it's quite, quite rich. Now, I, I understand why they did it. They didn't want to get the hit of a 20 plus million, they didn't want to lose him for nothing, but it's kicking a can down the road and paying nine million for a rental for a year, when you, you're probably best just cutting those, cutting those strings. Really, it implies that they still have concerns about Lance. It implies that, and I mean, they have mortgaged the house, the farm, the barn, and everything else on Lance. Three first round picks. They're not going to be involved in the first round of the draft until 2024, uh, unless they trade someone away for picks. Uh, they have mortgaged everything for Lance, and keeping Jimmy around just. Is a bit of a red flag that maybe there's concerns there. I, I think for me, that's the biggest thing out of all of this. I, I know that I spoke uh, last week about flexibility and, and how it leaves them in a slightly more inflexible position if they hold on to him. Obviously, they've restructured that deal, so it's not made them as inflexible as if they just kept him on the existing deal. But it's more about what it says around how they feel about Trey Lance. And if this is the year that they're handing over the reins to him, how does that make him feel? And when we come down the road to those situations where Lance may need to give a speech to the locker room or he may need to rally the troops, does having a kind of... Ghost of Christmas past <laughs> sat there. Yeah. Jimmy G just haunting the corner. Um, Jimmy G's getting paid... Well, sorry, his cap hit is more than George Kittle. His cap hit is more than Debo Samuel for your backup quarterback. More than Fred Warner. Like, it's it's just a nonsense, really. It's just a nonsense. People who've listened to the show for a while will know that I used to speak very highly of the 49ers. I used to say that I think they were the best, if not one of the best-run front offices in the league. Um, this is a head-scratcher, really. Yeah, and do you feel that they simply left it too late when looking for a trade partner or do you think this was the plan all along i think that's just it i think that they they have ummed and awed too long of a trey lance it's they should have come out of last season when when they're out of playoffs when everything was dead that should have been the point new season we're running with trey that's it we've got to solve this jimmy problem by trading him away we've got to find a trade partner for him but let's go and do that in the best and most constructive way they haven't and the fact they haven't implies that they've not been ready to let him go, which just goes back to this doubts over Trey Lance. You know, hope Trey Lance goes out there and has a great season. He's a young player. I hope he does well for himself. But it just does raise doubts. Yeah, it does. But then to your point earlier, if it's simply an uncertainty, it felt like there were better options there in terms of 
finding a trade partner for Jimmy and then picking up a half-decent quarterback replacement for a lot cheaper. The only thing I'd say is don't write out him getting traded yet because what we've done with his contract makes him far more palatable as a trade proposition. Had he stayed on the team and the contract rolled over and he was on 24 million, that's a big cap hit for a team trading for him. While his cap hit is 9 million now, suddenly he might become a lot more palatable to certain teams out there. Now, don't get me wrong, it's still a nine-minute hit for just one year. So if a team does trade for him, it's theoretically a one-year rental. But maybe the story has legs to go. Maybe we're not seeing a bigger picture. Maybe there is a trade partner in the room somewhere, and this is kind of phase one. And they're going to wait until cut day, wait for those chips to fall, and then maybe we'll see movement. Don't write off Jimmy G being traded just yet. It's not out of the question. I do believe, though, that the contract includes a no-trade clause. No, it includes a he's got to be at the table if there is a trade. He can't have a trade imposed on him. So if Jimmy G wants to go to a team, he can go to a team. It's it's not a no trade clause, as in there will be no trades. It's no trades unless Jimmy says so. No trades unless Jimmy says so. <laughs> yeah. So let's get on to the cuts then. Let's talk about cuts now. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> so big name cuts. What we got, Chaz? Hit me with some. Let's start in your own backyard, Joe. Why don't we kick off with Mond? He looked like a promising pick last season, or certainly the Vikings were hoping he would be, and he's been cut after just one season. I wouldn't say he's ever really looked promising in his play. When you take a quarterback in the third round, you kind of hope he's going to be a promising player. Uh, you know, that's where the Cowboys got Dak. There's good quarterbacks you can pick up at that place in the draft. Kellen Mond's never really played well. And he's a different player to, I think, what uh, they're trying to do with his team. He's allegedly a mobile quarterback, allegedly a scrambler, all that kind of stuff. But to be honest, he's never really looked NFL level. Now, don't get me wrong, he's only 23 years old. Uh, He could still be shaved. He could still be improved. Someone will pick him up. I've got no doubt about that. Someone will pick him up. But it's a regime change thing as well. Like, you know, the Vikings have got a new GM, new head coach. They're cutting out a lot of the strings from last year. They got rid of Wyatt Davis as well today. Now, Wyatt Davis, if anyone remembers the... um, the pre-draft videos that I did last year. Wyatt Davis was one of my picks as what looked like one of the better guards in last year's draft. He was, you know, expected to go back in the first round, higher in the second round. Vikings picked him up in the third round, which looked a steal at the time, but he's just not been capable whatsoever. Last year, Wyatt Davis, I think he gave up something like eight penalties, uh, a million pressures when he did play. Not NFL quality. He'll end up on some team's practice squad, but that's the end of him. And then probably another really big name is O.J. Howard going from the Bills. Yeah, like, is it a big name anymore, really? You go back a few years pre-Tom Brady era, and that was a big name in Tampa Bay, I guess. I guess he was a tight end hope at one stage, but his career's kind of hit the rocks a little bit in the last few years. Yeah, I suppose he had that big injury at Tampa Bay. He never really came back the same player, did he? Whether that was due to other players already in his position that he had to fight against or whether it was a decline in skill. But uh, yeah, you're right. It was Gronk. Basically, Gronk kind of came along and took all of those tight end targets. I mean, he was looking at scraps with Bray. And I think Bray had a more uh, rounded skill set than what um, OJ Howard had. Bray can what, catch Lombardi trophies when he's on a boat. Can OJ Howard do that? I don't know. <laughs> no. Then Sony Michel. He's also been cut. And Sony Michel, I mean, he has had, he had a really torrid time with injuries at New England. 
Then he moved over to the Seahawks, and now he finds himself without a team. Do we think that is purely a case of just too injury-prone and teams don't want to take that risk? Because I, I sort of felt that the times where he was healthy enough and they were few and far between, he did look quite promising for New England. You know what I think about Sonny Michel? I think the thing with Sonny Michel is that he doesn't fit into one of the kind of archetypes of running back that you want. He's not a big guy, really. Like, I think he's six foot tall, not heavily built. He's not heavily built. So he's not a big back, per se, but then he's not like a little scat guy. He kind of fits in between. And when you've got this kind of you know, running back by committee, everyone does something. You've got your heavy guy for your first down and goal line stuff. You've got your small, quick guy out the backfield for, you know, scat pass to your Tarek going type. He wasn't neither, and I just don't think he fitted into a lot of coaches' plans. That's, that's my theory on it. I could be totally wrong. You're right, there, there were flashes. When he did flash for fantasy players a couple of years ago, he gave him a couple of good weeks. But all in all, it's just it's just been a slow decline of his career in the last couple of years. Yeah, I like what he did there, though, Joe. Uh, talking of Flash, Flash Gordon, he's also... <laughs> I mean, how many teams has he come back for now? But um, he he tried his luck at, at the Chiefs, and there was some good sounds coming out of, from camp in terms of, you know, what Gordon's abilities were. And he's come back a few times from being out of the NFL for over a season, season and a half, whatever. And each time he comes back, he's he's often able to add something before, you know, he's, he's forced to leave yet again. Um, this time, it, it just felt like he was just a casualty of the numbers there at the Chiefs. They, they were saying good things about him, but they've got the squad that they've got. And unfortunately, he just doesn't fit into that this time around. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Okay, it might take a couple of minutes, but it's a tangent. You've probably seen the news recently. Ukraine, Russian, all that kind of stuff. And there was that Brittany Griner, that WNBA player. Have you seen this? Yes, she got arrested for, for weed possession, right? Basically, weed possession. And she was thrown in a Russian prison. She's been given something like 10 years. Outrageous. It's all part of the war games. And... The American government are obviously trying to get her back because it's an embarrassment. They can't be seen to leave one of their own to rot in a Russian prison just for all the kind of stuff that's going on. So they're trying all they can to try and get her out of prison by, you know, dealing one of these, like, Dr. Death weapons merchants who sold all kinds of, like, nasty weapons to nasty people. So the Americans are trying all these things to try and get this person out of prison who's in prison for doing weed. And meanwhile, in America, you've got millions of people maybe not millions hundreds of thousands of people in prison for doing weed and they're still in prison now and there's some guys who've been in prison for 15 years on old drugs charges where it was just weed we're talking about josh gordon here right so bear with me there's so bear with me but you can probably see where this is going come see the carry on <laughs> so josh gordon obviously had a weed problem and was banned from playing football for a very long time for longer than you'd get banned for touching up 40 masseuses for longer than you'd get banned for gambling all these kind of things josh gordon's ban list is longer than most people meanwhile this weekend the cleveland browns are passing around a bag of weed on the sideline of a practice game in preseason. i mean i could not believe that joe when i saw that image of like just this enormous bag of weed right in full view it wasn't inside a helmet it wasn't tucked inside a quarterback's hand warming pouch it was just a massive baggie of weed that they were passing around 
they were literally passing it around. And Josh Gordon must be thinking, like, you know, what the hell? Josh Gordon is that guy doing 15 to life while the government is bending over backwards to get Britney Griner out. And I'm not saying people shouldn't get Britney Griner out. It's obviously disgraceful that she's been put in prison for 10 years. It's all politics and everything. I've got nothing against Britney Griner. But it doesn't seem to be fairness there. It doesn't seem to be fairness for Josh Gordon. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll give you that, Joe. I, I wasn't sure where the point was coming, but I, do you know what? I think you're right. I think. I told you I'd bring it back. I, t- I, I you told did? you I'd bring it back. I should have faith. Um, but back to football on Josh Gordon. Look, there'll be some wide receiver needy team who'll pick him up at some point. Might not be next week, but everyone seems to pick up Josh Gordon at one point during the season. It was a Seahawks once. A million teams have had him at some point, but he'll get picked up by someone somewhere down the line. But I don't think that he's a player who's going to change games or put an exclamation mark on anyone's season. Good luck if he does, but I wouldn't bet on him. He isn't, but I'm going to go on my own digression here. Josh Gordon is kind of like my Brady when I think about how it anchors me to the league. Like we're seeing a lot of people that we grew up watching, Joe, that are now starting to retire from football, that are now starting to leave the game. But I always seem to find if Brady's suiting up or if Josh Gordon's trying out for a team, I'm still like, ah, that's the NFL I remember. (laughs) You know it's mid-October when Josh Gordon's getting called up <laughs> <Yeah>. by some <laughs> try-hard, just on the cusp of playoff team. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um, We've talked about a few players. A player who I want to talk about on, on cut day, for me, that I think is probably the biggest player, Alex Leverwood. Huge that he's getting cut. He was a first-round pick last year. First-round pick. Now, don't get me wrong, he was a crazy first-round pick. Everyone was like, WTF, someone has picked up Alex Leverwood. In the first round, oh, it's the Raiders, that's why. Uh, it was one of those silly Raiders picks from the Gruden uh, era. That made no sense. Like, Leverwood would have been on the board in round two for the Raiders to pick him up. Uh, all right, he might, not gone on, he might not gone on to round three. He was not going to last until day three. But that was a crazy pick, and he's been terrible. He has been really, really terrible. And the Raiders allegedly, allegedly phoned 31 teams and couldn't get a taker, so he's been cut. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I don't really have much to say about that because I feel like we've said it all before. The Raiders just have to be historically bad in recent years at draft. And we've called it out. I think we even had like almost a specific episode on it. I think we did, but you can add that one to the list because I think at that time we said it was his first season, so it was too early to make a decision. But uh, now we can say, yeah, that was an abject failure getting cut after a year. But look, for listeners who are out there, there are lots of cuts, and some of them might not seem interesting at first, but I'd kind of compare it to that kind of famous, that famous kind of Rudger Hauer quote from Blade Runner, kind of always moments where we lost in time, like tears and rain, time to die. That's what cut day is. There's all these stories, all these careers, just like like tears and rain ending. Um, and it's, it's beautiful, sad, and uh, chaotic all, all at the same time. Cut day, one of the days of the year. Absolutely. Then let's talk briefly. I mean, again, we're sort of stepping away from kind of football in the truest sense here, but somebody who has found themselves without a team, not because of Cup Day, though, is Matt Eraser. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where I think our podcast doesn't really want to step into this one kind of too much. If uh, half of the allegations are true, it's horrible. He shouldn't be walking free, let alone walking on a football field. Other way, Innocent or guilty, you can't be playing football. You can't be on a team while that's hanging over you. So 
If he's innocent, I hope he gets dealt with quickly. He clears his name and gets back on a team ASAP. If he's guilty, I hope we never hear from him again. And I think that's all, that's all you can really say about that one. But from a football point of view, which is not important in his constitutions, but from a football point of view, the Bills had cut Matt Hark in expectation that Ariaza would be their main guy. So they're now without a punter. So the Bills will have to pick up a punter pretty quick smart, I think. So, Joe, next week is the start of the season. Next week's episode, we're going to look forward at a few teams and we're going to talk things to look out for, teams' chances, things like that. But there's a, there's a few things that I know you're desperate to get off your chest straight away and one of those has to be, if I know you at all, Joe, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what, right? I've been moaning about the Eagles all summer and every time we talk about a podcast and talk about what we're going to talk about and what we're going to put on social media and I've been bad on social media, I've not put enough stuff on social media, I know that. But every time we talk about it, I say, Eagles, I don't like the Eagles. Everyone's saying the Eagles are really good and I don't think so, blah, 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 blah. But maybe they're not so bad. I think that the trade they've done today for Chauncey Gardner, I thought that was a good trade. I think that when you look at what they've added on the defensive side of the ball, they've added some good pieces there. What annoys me about the Eagles is everyone's saying that they're a top 10 team now and they're playoff contenders and all this kind of stuff. Chances are they're still not going to win the NFC East. I mean, Matt's the Cowboys. I know I'd always moan about Cowboys, but I think the Cowboys are going to win. But we'll park that for the moment. The Eagles still, in my eyes, have a lot to prove on the offensive side of the ball. I don't believe in Jalen Hurts. I don't care what he's done in preseason. I don't care how good he's looked in camp. I don't believe that Jalen Hurts is a top-tier quarterback. Second... Everyone started to talk about the Eagles as soon as they brought A.J. Brown in. This is the same A.J. Brown who, a year ago, when he was playing for the Titans, everyone was saying, oh, we've got to bring in Julio Jones because A.J. Brown isn't really a wide receiver one and can't really lead a team. But with Julio Jones in, that's going to make the Titans a better team. And then A.J. Brown can just go back to being, you know, a wide receiver two and a good wide receiver two. Now, suddenly he goes to the Eagles and suddenly he's a wide receiver one who's going to change the franchise. I mean, point three, I just think there's a lot of question marks over their trenches. When they won Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 52, their offensive line and defensive line were really the kind of foundation pieces that they built that win off. But, you know, those key pieces from back then, I'm talking kind of like Lane Johnson um, on the O-line, I'm talking Brandon Graham, I'm talking Kelsey, talking Fletcher Cox. All of those guys are well over 30 now. Like Jason Kelsey and uh, Graham, I think they're 34 each. They're probably past their prime. They're probably highly likely to get injured again. There's too much reliance on some of those old veterans in the trenches. And I think that when they get injured and with the... With what I think is an overrated offense, I don't think this Eagles team is going to be anywhere near as good as people think they are. I think that their defense will probably keep them in a few games, keep things closer than what they are. I think that when things click, they might have the odd blowout win. I'm sure that in 15 weeks' time, you'll be reminding me about this conversation, Charles, and I'll be eating humble pie. But as I see it right now, I think that the Eagles are potentially one of the most overhyped teams in the league. Well, Joe, if it's any consolation, I will eat humble pie with you. Uh, because I think initially uh, uh, we shared very similar views of the Eagles and a large part of my feeling of why they weren't going to go anywhere was because of their quarterback at the time, Wentz. Uh, I know, well, he didn't even win in the Super Bowl, really, did he? Like, he wasn't he wasn't playing in the Super Bowl. He got, he got them that far, um, but then he, he came back. I don't believe in Wentz. I still don't, even though he's moved on. But now that Hertz is in the driving seat, look, I don't, 
I can't necessarily say that he's an upgrade or a downgrade. My thing about this Eagles team, and you know, you're saying that you think defensively they've made some smart moves recently and that might have shored things up, but I don't know what the identity of this team is. I don't know what it is that the Eagles excel at. You can look at most teams and you can say, this is what they're striving to be. They either want to be great defensively or they want to be brilliant at running the ball or they want to be a pass-heavy offense. With the Eagles, I just don't see uh, an area of excellence for them. And I think if you don't... I think they still think they're a trenches team. They yeah. still think they're a trenches team. Yeah. They've still got Jason Kelsey. They've still got Lane Johnson. You know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. They've still got all of those players there from a glory Super Bowl of what, getting on for four or five years ago now. They've still got all those players there and they still think they're that trenches team because those players are there. But those players are older, they're injury prone and they're not what they were. And so I think that what they think is their strength just isn't. Yeah, and I think this is it. I think that's exactly it. And this is where you're getting this hype from. It's it's the memory of these players that were great. And then you look at the roster and you go, well, look at that team. That's still a really good team. Well, if it was still a really good team, they'd have been doing much better last season, the season before, because those players were all still there. But here we are. Yeah, 100%. Joe, I know you also wanted to discuss the Bucks, but I think we're probably running a little short for time this episode. So we'll leave that as a little cliffhanger for the listeners. And that's something to tune in for next week. So, Joe, until next week, speak then. Speak next week.